a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. And we're back. We survived Halloween, the magic of Halloween. Josh and Emily, oh. how are you in November now? Doing great. I can't believe it's already November. That's nuts. It is kind of nuts. There are several upcoming holidays around the corner now that we're past Halloween. The Great Pumpkin Squash, Thanksgiving, soon to be Christmas. We have a lot coming up right now. Absolutely, yes. we do. Mm-hmm. Advent. Let us not forget Advent. All Saints Day, yes. That's November 1st, is that right? Yes. Day after Halloween. It mm. is, yes. Excellent. Mm-hmm. What are you two drinking? I felt kind of like meh. So I just wanted something basic. Uh, I'm drinking water. Wow. <laughs> I also, wow. I also, Heavy I also, I, I am, I really am. I also, though, you know me, I'm, I'm a two-fister. Uh, so I have water and I also have Another glass of my Miha sangria. Oh, I thought you were going to say, why don't you lead with the sangria? <laughs> why? 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 Because it's me, Stephen. That, is, that is very funny to me. She's back on the sauce, on that water. I'm back also a sangria. On the water. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's really funny. I, the devil's nectar <laughs> water. Yeah. What about you, Josh? Uh, I'm drinking a bourbon barrel peach cider from titan cider works here in yakima washington excellent and it is delicious very fall like and like refreshing and crisp excellent i cracked open my favorite summer beer this is montucky cold snacks um Mm. yeah classic it is a classic one thing i've learned about you in doing this podcast is that you only keep like two beers on your (laughs) house yeah i really am not a fan of variety if you've learned that Mm. about me yet um Mm. yeah yeah you like old mainstays like lagavulin like you just Mm. like like finding Mm. something good that's all i drink on the whiskey bench yep Yep. exactly you got it i do like that but i also love variety see and i i mean like i make the same two like i food prep every sunday and i make the same breakfasts and the same lunches every week that gets me oh, through wow. four work days, my. right? Um, because oh. I found what I like, and I know what I like. So, like, with my wardrobe, too, I wear black t-shirts. And if I'm feeling frisky, I wear a Silent Planet t-shirt. That's but, the like, only... on Saturdays, you and Dixie do your special thing where you, like, do a new meal, right? It's true. Yeah, once a week. But that's fun. pretty much every other time, we're just we're eating the same old things. And that's you okay. You are like Charlie Brown. You are like Charlie Brown. Well, good thing I played Charlie Brown in the musical our senior year. You did, and you were such a good Charlie. I was oh, so good. That yes. was a delight. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm I, I'm kind of stalling because I forgot that it was my episode today. All is forgiven. Um, don't feel any guilt. It's okay. There's so, grace. That's okay. I'm sure that you have absolutely nothing to think about when it comes to Christianity and rethinking your beliefs and everything else. So. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> we might just have to cancel, I guess. Right. Yep, that, that's it. We're done. We'll pick this up next week. No, okay, so I am kind of curious, much in the same way that we kind of uh, dissected my uncomfortability with the words like owe and deserve at the end of the grace episode. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering if we could spend our time together today dissecting the word that Christians like to use in the context of both marriage and church. And that word is submission. You know what I love about your episode, Stephen? What's that? I don't think I've ever made this connection is that it is so similar to doing like a word study of like the original Greek or Hebrew and being like, like, what does this mean in the original Mm. context? Blah, blah, blah. But you are super interested in doing it for Christians in the current context. Oh, well, thank you. I didn't, Which is I wasn't like, even aware that I was doing that. 
like I think it's so fascinating. Like your uh, last episode on Grace, uh, we've also had like a other, couple other episodes where you've done a similar thing, even if it wasn't for like the entire episode. Hmm. That is true. I've just like noticed that about you, and I like hadn't really put words to it until now. Mm. Yeah, but okay. I think that that's a fantastic way to go about it because like we are more or less in that context. Yeah. What do we mean in 2021, and what did Paul mean when he said wives submit to your husbands? Because and is there any difference? Uh, yeah, because I think that that verse can be used to do some pretty despicable things. Yeah, and I've been really curious. Okay, so let's, I guess, let's first crack into the marriage side of that conversation. Obviously, this is probably going to get us into what Christians call complementarianism and egalitarianism, right? These are like the two famous camps of, uh, it's kind of a commentary on gender roles, right? And like who Mm -hmm. takes care Mm -hmm. of what and whom takes care of whom. What, what was the way you were raised to think about marriage? And maybe like, let's couch this in, uh, like youth group age. Where did you find yourself on this spectrum of complementarian to egalitarian? To be honest, it wasn't talked about a whole lot in Mm -hmm. most of my church context growing up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I like looking back now, I would say like mm, probably pretty middle of the road. Like by the time I was in high school, there was a female pastor on staff at my dad's church. Really? Mm-hmm. Granted, she wasn't the head pastor, but like, I mean, but her title like, it's was possible. Pastor. Like actually there was a sister church in a couple towns over that did have a head pastor who was a woman. So not unheard of in the denomination. Sure. Sure. But you really didn't talk about in youth group like. Marriage roles, husband, wife kind of studies? No, I, no, not really. Like, my youth group was still small enough that, like, we usually didn't split up boys and girls, unless it was, like, at a mm. church camp or something. Right. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Josh. Like, the only time I was ever separated was at Chrysalis, and even then, it wasn't, I, yeah, no. I'm in the interesting situation where, like, I've had women pastors in my church, and, like, women holding authority in other jobs as well and me now as a woman pastor yeah i have many thoughts on this but i want to see where this goes first (laughs) okay being the only woman in this group right so it, it feels like to me that we're all naturally gravitating toward the church side of the conversation whereas i think the concept of submission gets talked a lot i mean so in in my context, when we were when marriage was taught on in our youth group, like very often it was uh, like passages of Paul, and we didn't so much talk about the way Paul thought that maybe no one should be married because singleness is better anyway. But like, if you're so horny, you should probably just go get married. Um, we very often went to yeah the verses that are like wives submit to your husband, you know. So it kind of sets up this like this male headship conversation around marriage that I feel like I kind of, I subtly deconstructed that as Dixie and I started our marriage. I kind of did a few like book studies, you know, like Tim Keller's meaning of marriage as part of our like engagement curriculum or whatever with the pastor that married us. And while I think there were valuable lessons to be taught, I, I can't help but feel like I just have a problem with the conversation, how it always goes to, well, wives submit to your husbands. And that's what we talk about the most, Mm. but then we don't address the husbands and be like, don't be like a malevolent, right? As a husband, because like, (laughs) I feel like it it almost, if you teach it the wrong way, it becomes license to kind of Lord that power over your house as a man. So of course I'm like thinking of it in that context, but. Mm -hmm. Well, I, for me, this issue is a great example of how much influence there is in the chapter and verse numbers and the division between different sections Oh, uh, in a way that like artificially constructs bookends. Sure. Or like nice bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. Right. Like when in reality, like these were written as like long form letters that like had no divisions in themselves, except maybe like in subtle, like Like a paragraph change of setting or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Versus like, I think a lot of people, read that verse in Ephesians, what is this, Ephesians chapter five, when like Paul is continuing a thought from chapter four 
like at the very end where he leads with like the first part of this language that he's using is submit to each other. Mm-hmm. And then husbands submit to your wives in this way. And like, he gives like a really like thought provoking thing about like being as Christ, like laying down your life. And then like the small, then like after that, the chunk about wife submitting to your husbands seems so much smaller. Yeah. And yet it seems so outsized in my mind. Totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, to, to be honest, that's what's used. I mean, that's like just how it goes when like you use the Bible to give credence to your own special interests. Right. Like just like a congressperson, like, oh my gosh, I saw that clip again of uh, that congresswoman who recently, like within the last couple months, like <laughs> tried to quote the Bible before Congress and was like, make sure all your elections are true. And like, I just love that scripture because it, it just points out about like how oh. important election is, dude. Oh. And it's like not about oh, political yeah. election. Like she, like she's obviously not biblically literate, <laughs> and it's like h- hilarious. That's rough. That's rough. But like that's a great example of like is, your yeah. point, Stephen, about like what does this word really mean? Like, do we use it any differently, or does it have any like different value in our current context than it did back then? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Emily, have you taught this passage of Paul's at church ever? No, not yet. Oh, not yet. How do you think you would go about writing a sermon for this one? <laughs> oh, what What would you want your congregation to come away with, like a better understanding of the way this passage is typically used and putting you on the spot without your books and <laughs> scholarly yeah, really. studies in front of you? I think I would like to look at the word submission like actually dissecting the word itself like in the greek language mm. and depending on what pat like what passage we're using um and i guess in this case if we are using paul's writing i would have to look and see like how is it being used is it being used in the sense of like to be under obedience or is it is it to be under one's control? Like, I think there is a difference between being under someone's control and being obedient mm. in how, in that sense. I think the defi- the definitions are enlightening, and I think that they can be helpful, especially if we are to look at relationships. And I think that's what I would want to focus on is, like, the relationship and how that word is being used. Like, is it life-giving or is it harmful? And I I think that extends beyond, like, the language of marriage as well. Like, Jesus and his parents, the people and the governing authorities, God and the people of Israel. You know, mm, like, I yeah. think it would, I think it really depends on the context and how that word is being used and how we as modern readers extrapolate that and apply it to our own contexts. And I don't think it also culturally is a big thing, too. I think of matriarchal societies would probably have, you know, a different take on mm. on things like that versus oh. more patriarchal societies. Yeah, which certainly has something to do with Paul's framing of it in Rome. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also the uh, current context version of, like, BDSM and, like, submission is, like, somehow like a, like a controlled, complete like giving of self to the other almost like yeah. I know that's kind of like a casual definition, um, but like submission, I think in like current context is usually with the contrast of dominance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. wonder how many, whether it's recognized or not, I wonder how many of us think of the context of slavery when it comes to submission. Mm. I mean, yeah. even in like sexual kink communities, like, like there's totally that like, not necessarily correlation, but like tendency, I guess, right? Sure. Uh, like almost a. Um, I mean, I don't want to uh, like make light of real trafficking problems in the world, but like some people like fantasize about mm-hmm. being a sex slave, like as a role play. Like we mentioned last episode about like sexual fantasy is just as sinful as doing the real thing. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. The John Piper but, like, take. <laughs> uh, but I think that there's a. Uh, I, th- I think like even in like. Com- like I just bring up that point to mention that like I think even in our current context there's definitely like an association there still mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if like it's usually tied to sexuality that is true even though in the original context I don't think Paul is talking about sexual or gender ethics 
I agree. I do I not think, think I do not think Paul is referring to that at all. I think he's talking about relational and family ethics and like what it means to be in a loving relationship as a part of community. But I don't think that that uh, I mean, some Christians would disagree with this, but I don't think that has to be gendered. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's where I agree with you, because like I feel like going so far as to say no one has a specific role in my house, like going that far almost like tips into anarchy you know like it's it's like no one just no one wants to take the responsibility for anything because like there are some things that are classically oh have you seen those memes of like if your husband touches these then he's not a real man or whatever and you're not a real woman and it's like it's like a man like washing the dishes or like changing the baby's diaper and the meme is supposed to be saying like (laughs) don't let your husband debase himself with all the things that you as the woman should be doing Uh, (laughs) what yeah i'm not making these up i'm not making that up i've seen that they are real well my my favorite one is uh the one that's like two pictures of hands and it's like my hands look like this so hers can look like this oh my gosh yeah (laughs) yeah which i think that our culture certainly is a lot more egalitarian than it has been in the past so like for me and dixie I mean, there there are things that happen around the house. Like, I am the guy that does the dishes and the laundry just because I'm the one who just naturally is inclined to think about them and know that they need to be done. Like, there's no expectation of like, well, that's that's woman's work. Uh, Like, as, as if it was that easy to do. De- oh, I have to tell you guys an embarrassing story now. Oh, I'm so ready. My family doesn't... <laughs> they don't love this story, but mostly it's just because how much of an it was. I was... Just hitting puberty, so I was probably 12 or 13, right? (laughs) And we used to live out in the country, and because my dad was the quote-unquote breadwinner, right? Like, he would go to Billings, he worked at the airport, and he had the multi-decade career bringing home the bacon, as it were. My mom became the person who was, like, taking care of the chores because we had a couple horses, we had chickens, we had a dog, you know, and we had, like, a property to maintain, And for me, I really don't, I could not tell you where this belief came from other than just me being a snooty teenager who wanted to get under my parents' skin. But my assignment was to go pound some fence posts because we were expanding our horse corral. And literally, I looked my mom in her face, my loving mom, who was my homeschool teacher for nine years I looked her in her face and said, that's woman's work. I will not do this. Stephen George Henning, you did not. I did. I like it makes me cringe to this day that I would. Wow. That I had the balls to do that, to say that. And it's it's not like it was a. <laughs> it's not like it was just like folding laundry or whatever. This was like real work around the farm. Wow. And I like, and that's, that's the thing where when, when it comes to the word submission, like, I don't know where that very wrong belief came from that I had at 13. Mm -hmm. I really don't know where that came from, but I do feel like it has its root in the context of submission and possibly the way it was being taught at our church. I wonder too, if like family, I don't want to say like family upbringing, but like your family life plays a role in that because you don't have any sisters no i do not and josh you don't have any sisters do you uh well i have two so so close (laughs) 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 so josh what was your experience like then growing up like did you ever talk to your sisters or your mom in that manner what was your upbringing Uh, like not explicitly i like i don't feel like I don't feel like there was a an explicit conversation ever about like women's versus men's work, but also uh, for the majority of my upbringing, my mom was primarily a stay-at-home mom who homeschooled us and cooked and cleaned the house, which okay. is like by a lot of people's definitions a very conservative view of like division of labor mm-hmm. within a marriage, like even just in America. That's so interesting. Which is more common in America and like even like by American standards that's still like pretty traditional quote-unquote my so i have only one sister so i have no brothers and growing up my both my parents worked but when my sister and i were very young 
my dad was actually the one that would like stay home with my sister and I. And my mom was the one that went out and did a lot of work. So my dad was like helping us get ready for school and like would make sure we had breakfast and he would get us ready for dance recitals and things like that. And so I think I have a very interesting perspective when it comes to like submission and roles because I had an upbringing that was not the quote unquote like standard or typical American house life at all. Yeah, that's but Stephen, to your point, I don't think the word submission like necessarily indicates. Oh, I'm going to sound like such a complimentarian for saying this. <laughs> I don't say think it. the word submission necessitates like inequality. Like mm-hmm. I do think that Paul is talking about like be equally and mutually submissive to each other, even if it is in different ways. And this is like another example of like, mm, like another instance of where I think complementarians and egalitarians are sometimes like talking past each other. Mm, mm-hmm. Like we're parallel, like we're right there. We are like right yeah. there. And maybe it's just like more of a spectrum because like, obviously anyone can take anything to an extreme, right? Like you can be 13 year old Steven and be like, no, that is women's work. I'll never do that. <laughs> Very embarrassing. I have repented of this opinion, by the way. Right. But like, that I think you're totally right that like it, it was very contextual and you probably weren't taught like a theology of that. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could possibly even be in like the media I was exposed to at the time. You know, mm, totally. Like, I remember when we first moved to Montana from Iowa, my parents really liked to play up like the Wild West factor of like, like Cody, Wyoming would have actually been a pretty sweet place to live at that time in my life. Cause like, uh, you wouldn't know it talking to me now or looking at me now, but I was kind of into all the cowboy stuff and like very into like the Wild West. I don't know. Oh, you would love it even today. <laughs> it is still very much alive. Um, yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying is like I don't I don't know if I just had this whack <laughs> division of labor concept because like my mom liked to watch Bonanza or whatever. I like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Certainly an embarrassing moment for me. I feel like part of it where it comes from Josh is like, I think the nuanced conversation is being had by well-reasoned complementarians for it, like that equality thing. Mm-hmm. I have always had the felt sense that, of course, I have more privilege as the man in my marriage just because we Christians like to map the concept of like, Men be the head of your household and your wife as Christ is the head of the church, which is the bride of Christ. So you need to lead your bride and like in very specific terms, what that turns into is like when we were engaged, I was being told by men in our old church that like, if you ever have a disagreement on like a decision that needs to be made, unfortunately for you, Dixie, Stephen has the veto power. Mm. If you can't agree, Stephen's will goes, you know, because that's how Jesus works with the church. You know what gets me about those kinds of opinions? Because I've totally heard that before, even though I don't think that that was taught to me, is like, that is not in the text at all. No, no, dude. Like, I guess maybe you could extrapolate that from the word submission, but like, you could extrapolate some other kinky things from the word submission. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yes, you're just like reading into it and it's so obvious to me Mm -hmm. but like i mean maybe to like the egalitarian's point like maybe paul did recognize explicitly in the text that men have more power and therefore have more to lose like you should like act Mm. like you're gonna die oh oh like wow that is an interpretation i've never thought of like remember that you're gonna die and that you're nothing oh that's a very good point Riff on that some more, Josh, because I'm loving this idea. Mm, like the the whole concept of like men should be the spiritual leader has also just taken me aback because like, what is that even supposed to mean? Like, uh, does that mean like every man is supposed to be a pastor kind of in the like Mormon tradition of like every man is an elder and like you're oh. all of like, I've guessed the Bible like says like you're all saints and yeah. whatnot, but explicitly I've I've heard it taught that way. Like. The husband, the man, the father needs to be the person like 
leading prayer every night before mm-hmm. we go to bed and like making sure the whole family is reading their Bible. And But also, where is that in the Bible? It's not. I mean, it's just cultural values. Like none of that was like developed in the first century of Christians. No. No, I think right? that's a cultural. Yeah. You be the worship leader. You be the pastor. You be the the scripture reader. The or decision whatever. maker. Yeah. yeah. I think I think part of that is because of like education. I think primarily men were being educated more than women were. And so for them to lead oh. prayer and to read the Bible, a lot of it was down to education. Okay. So that's actually a really good point because like the verses of like, I do not permit a woman to speak in church, right? Like I've heard it exeg- exegeted. Exegeted. Is that right? Um, that is right. Where they will explain like, the reason Paul said that was because the women were sitting on one side of the church, the men were sitting on the other side of the church, and the women mm-hmm. had questions because they were the uneducated class in Rome, and they were trying mm-hmm. to ask questions across the hall, and it was causing noise, and it was causing distractions. So, like, save that until you get home, and then the man can explain to you what he knows based on his education that the woman did not have the privilege to have. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, in you know, it's funny, like, younger me would hear you saying that Stephen and I'd be like that's just so stupid like women should be able to speak up too and blah 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 but like I hear that now like 27 year old pastor Emily hears that and I'm like that hmm. makes absolute sense like <laughs> <laughs> it is really disruptive some of you uh, just need to be quiet for right now <laughs> yeah like just, yeah I'm I'm even just thinking of get it together today like if I am not educated on something and I have a question, like if someone tells me just wait, I'll explain later. I'm not gonna throw a hissy about it. <laughs> like it makes it makes total sense. There's a joke in here about mansplaining. I can feel it. I just don't know how to make the connection. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break to say a few thank yous. Then we'll be back to our conversation. Thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Y'all are such a huge encouragement to us. If you'd like to support future episodes of Ravel, visit patreon.com slash ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at RavelPod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The Whiskey Bench. I think when you practice gratitude, that kind of, that unlocks like peace and it unlocks the ability to to turn whatever that adversity is into something positive. I think gratitude is sort of the key. And then I think gratitude can eventually lead to forgiveness. And I think practicing forgiveness on a regular basis is another really good way to to not be fragile. And now back to the conversation. Okay, here's an so this may be going off topic, but have you guys heard the expression of like men and women having different brains? Yeah. Yeah. Women with spaghetti brains and men with waffle brains and yada yada. I have heard this, Josh. You? Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's substantiated. Oh, I know. Right. Right. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, you know, one thing that and like I even jokingly talk about that in my own relationship like with Alex and I like Alex you have a waffle brain I have a spaghetti brain and at times I do feel like we are missing each other in regards to understanding and communication but I wonder (laughs) if like submission and like how it's used is in that same way of like well you're different and in this sense different from me so therefore you know what I'm saying so Paul is just trying to say like do the work to understand each other yeah oh I, well, I kind of like that. Okay. I thought you would. I thought you would. The other um, association I'm like thinking of with the word submission is like the idea of like following or obedience. But even like yeah. those terms can be like so broad. Like I feel like a lot of Christians mm-hmm. love to talk about like Jesus submitted to the Father. Jesus obeyed the Father. But like you also like have this theology of like they're equal. But then, like, the whole, like, separate but equal, not equal thing, like, comes into play. But then, like, the other analogy I thought of was, like, 
a recipe or a tradition. Like mm. if you submit yourself to obeying the recipe, like that sounds super weird, but like you were following the recipe. We're like, yeah. like my coffee shop technically it submits to the Italian style coffee tradition and not Ethiopian or not Japanese. And it's mm. like, like if you really wanted to specify the, like the rules, quote unquote, right. or, or like the guidelines, like we're choosing to submit to that. But like that just like, it sounds super weird in our English speaking mouths, but like mm -hmm. following the recipe, I feel like is a great, like more uh, casual wording. Well, it right? is, yeah. it's, it's a way, yeah, it's where like the word authority doesn't have a ton of nuance because like the, that recipe for grandma's best chocolate chip cookies has authority when I'm following it. But also like people talk about pastors having the authority in a church. Right. Really, the church has the authority. In the same... Okay, so, okay, perfect transition then into the church side of submission. Because I I also feel, like, uh, kind of prickly about the concept of, like, submitting to church leadership. When, for me, I just kind of don't buy that, like... Model. Uh, I just kind of don't buy that, like, that pastor was specifically called to have that authority. Like, they happen to have it right now, but, like, there's something about, like, the, uh, it, it almost feels like divine right of kings, right? And mm, to me, like, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of skeptical of that, uh, that authority model when it comes to, like, submit yourself to the leadership of your church, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the closest other example that we have in modern context is like everyone has a boss, right? Yeah. yeah. And I kind of get the logic of like, well, you have to like do what your boss says or like not have a job. Yeah. Right. And I think it like logically holds, but I also agree it feels weird in the religious context sometimes. Because my, my boss at the refinery, right, he has his position because of seniority, because of experience and education level. And maybe the same can be true. Like, Emily, you, you probably have the job you have because of those same three things. But there is a layer, there's an unspoken layer about having leadership in church where it's like, well, God chose you to be here. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, mm, well what do you well. think? What do you think, Pastor? So I have multiple bosses, technically. Mm-hmm. The whole church. It, it, actually, Jesus Christ. Partially, partially. No, okay, let me explain. <laughs> Administratively, I am my own boss. I oversee how administratively the church is handled. And yet, on the other side of that, my boss, who ensures that I'm doing my job, is the bishop and my staff parish relations committee. Um, who actually, they are the committee that's in charge of hiring any staff member of the church. Mm. So I am my own boss, the bishop is my boss, and SPR is my boss. But I also tell my church, like, you all are also my boss. Like, you tell me how you want this church to be run in a way that I can perform that task. So, like, yes, the church relies on the people, but it as the pastor, like I do have a specific role that is set aside that is different from the rest of the congregation. Otherwise, then everyone in the church would just be a pastor. Like I have an MDiv, I have the credentials that sets me apart from the rest of the church. However, they are responsible for ensuring that I do my job for them. <laughs> like you want me to teach sound theology like you i need to know where we are at theologically you want a bible class talking about this particular book like you all need to show up then to ensure that i do that because i am limited on what i can do if the church is not there so like really that sounds so different from any church i've been a part of it is so, that's what I love about the Methodist that church. That sounds insanely like healthy, honestly. I mean, Josh, what are your takes on that? Because, like, to me, I hear everything that Emily just told me, and I'm like, dang it, I should just be a Methodist then, because, like, the you churches. Should. come the, join us. The churches I've been a part of in the past are not that model. Like, even the megachurch model, like, that is way more, like, corporate to, you know, this branch <laughs> in billings right and the leadership is very top down and it's very much like well i mean we're just 
the guys in Billings. Like, who are we to question the the authority of the people who have the job up in headquarters, you know? Mm. Very different, it sounds like. I think uh, one thing I've been thinking about in this conversation is, like, the people who seem like they need to make a point to talk about submission to authority <laughs> are often ones from traditions that do not have that great of an ecclesiological structure. Mm. You don't hear Catholics and Orthodox really harping on this. You hear like the Southern Baptist denomination that is like mm, kind of disagreeing with itself right now. Uh, oh, good point. You know what I mean? Because now we're just caught in like somebody, we talk about it more because we have to solidify our concept of it because we've never figured it out in the past. Is that what you're saying? E- uh, yeah, I guess so. Something like I that. I guess what I'm like, I guess what I'm also thinking about is like age of institution. Like there is a certain authority to like institutions that have been around for a long time. Like, uh, like what's a, wow, what's a good non-religious example or non-political example? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Freemasons. <laughs> no Freemasons. <laughs> like a, a well-established, long-loved community business mm. will always do better than an entrepreneur in that community, in the same industry, like whatever it is, like whether it's a coffee Mm. shop or a grocery store or like something that's like long held in a community and has like really good anti-fragile roots. I listened to your anti-fragility episode the other day. Oh, that's a great whiskey bench. Thank you, Mm -hmm. friend. You should, if you haven't read that book yet, Steven, I guess you probably haven't since you listened to the episode or since you made the episode, but that's a great book, Anti-Fragile by uh, Nassim Taleb, which like he, this kind of like, touches on that like the the more anti-fragile an institution is that like gets stronger uh rather than uh is just resilient to Mm. threat Mm. like something that gets stronger over time i think like institutions that like have stood the test of time are usually good examples of that and it's not to say that like institutions don't come with their own problems like certainly like (laughs) the longer something's been around the more likely it's had a problem in the past and like has something it's not proud of like mm, yeah. the crusades or like the witch trials or whatever. Right. But like, it's not those denominations in my experience that like need to tell their congregants like, well, you need to submit to authority. Like this is just the way we do things around here. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's just like kind mm-hmm. of understood maybe question mark versus like the ones that are like really vying for power, like need to make a point to tell their people like, well, you need right. to listen to what we tell you, and like, yeah, they to, really, they really, like, we push have it. the veto power, just like you, the husband, has the veto power. We get veto power over you. So, oh my gosh, oh my, you kind of see what I'm getting at, though. My my evangelical brain is spinning because, like, I it's so hard for me to not conceptualize of anyone caring about submission because everywhere I've been has cared a lot about it. Mm. Well, and to be honest, that's why a lot of like cults and new religious movements have such a focus of control. Hmm. And like, that's why the bite model has been used for a long time, like behavior, information, thinking, and emotional control. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's because like they, they are vying for control and sub- like you submitting to them and you having authority over them. Like they, like in order for the, the new authority to prove their authority, like they have to like make you recognize your authority yeah, versus it- like your authority already being well-established. Like the government. It does have a vibe of like, uh, I have to, yeah, it's like Moses coming off the mountain with his face all shiny, you know? It's like, I've had the thing, now follow me, you know? Mm. Right, and and like if you can get someone else to follow you, it's like in some ways you don't, mm, no, what am I trying to say? Well, it's like the network effect. If you can get one follower, then you can probably get four followers, and then you could probably get eight, or, you know, like... Right, exactly, exactly. This is why MLMs work too. Or if you like convince someone of like a smaller form of submission and control, then it's easier for them to grapple onto a bigger form of it. If that's called the foot in the door technique, like you have a smaller request before a bigger request. And I think, I'm just going to make it right here. I think you could make an argument for like the marriage submission thing being like a foot in the door for larger authoritarian institutional submission whoa okay yeah because if you can get that mindset embedded into like the nuclear family quote unquote then of course you can extrapolate that straight out to like you know how your household runs the church is basically like that too so come over here whoa Mm. 
which uh, to be honest, to be fair, uh, I think a lot of people make that progression in good faith. Like, I think that a lot of people genuinely believe that Paul is saying exactly that. Yeah. I mean, because that is like the bride and the husband are the same as the bride of Christ to Christ himself, you know, the church to, yeah. But then the, the middle stage of like these humans to the church also, maybe we should <laughs> like solidify some authoritarian structure, not authoritarian and like tyrannical, but just like there's authority here, right? That, that ought to be respected. Mm. I'm thinking of like the word submission and like, again, how it's used or, or translated. And one of the things that I'm remembering from my Greek knowledge is like the word submission itself, like hupoptoso, is mm. meaning like to get under or to lift up. It doesn't mean to obey. Like it, it does not refer to obedience. Mm. When we think of the word for obedience or to submit, it's a different word and yet the word that we so often look at is the one that means to obey even if we are reading the word that means to lift up or to like support put in order yeah or to support mm-hmm. wow okay so to be fair to the people who were exegeting that still feels like a weird word to me but yeah it is a weird word mm-hmm. to be fair to the the exegesis I've had in the past of these passages, like I do think it did come across and I do think they spent time talking about like this form of submission is like, I almost think of the, uh, is it Paul saying like God loves a cheerful giver or is it, was that Jesus? I don't remember, but like the idea of cheerfulness in submission or in tithe giving or whatever, like in your relationship to your wife, your spouse, your partner, and also your church, like there is a thing about cheerfully submitting and that submission mm-hmm. being, I'm here to help, right? I'm yeah, it's here like to voluntary. Yeah, I'm here to hold you up, you know? So like for me, with my wife down with an ankle injury, like there very often I get stuck in a, in a weird headspace that I'm like, well, now I have to do everything around the house. But like the cheerful <laughs> version of submitting to her is like, ah, yes, you are injured. Let me take care of this so that you don't have to worry about it. And like, let me show mm-hmm. show you that through my attitude instead of just like shouldering more responsibility and also picking up some resentment along the way. Yeah. Maybe that's the ugly what if, version of submission is just like begrudging. What if the word submission was replaced with the word empathy? Empathize to each other in love. Husbands, empathize with your wives as Christ empathized with the church. I mean, that very much sounds like what Emily just said from the Greek. Yeah. Like to put, like, that's what Christ did, right? Like Christ put Christ's self into humanity's shoes Mm. and lifted it up. Mm. Husbands, try to understand what it's like to be a woman in this world. Oh my God. But also, (laughs) but also women like empathize with your husbands. that's real though. Yeah. No, really. But how much does that like change the meaning of the word or is that more accurate? I think it would be pretty easily written off by certain people who think that empathy is very much like flowery Empathy's emotions. A sin. No, just like flowery and like Yeah. Uh, you know, like this version it's a nice word. This version of empathy in this in the good version of submission here is like it's more your body's in it, right? Like you're going to like mm-hmm. put some sweat equity into it. That's kind of the way I'm thinking of it, at least. It's it's one thing to just understand, but it's another to understand and then share like that feeling. So like Oh my gosh, right? So like I can understand someone's pain, but it's another thing when I can understand it and then share in that pain as well. Mhm. And that that does kind of come down to some gender dynamics in our culture like i have only ever been flattered when i'm flirted with by women that aren't my wife but if a man flirts with my wife she very often gets very creepy vibes you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or even the experience of like i don't know why this didn't click with me a couple years ago dixie and i were talking about when she was working at a coffee shop here in billings and she was on closing shifts 
She described to me what it felt like walking to her car at night downtown Billings. Oh my gosh. I was like, Mm. I literally have never thought about these things. I have never thought about like holding my keys a specific way to make sure I could defend myself or putting pepper spray in my purse or whatever. Like, I just don't think about that. Like, I go to a show late night, like a late night metal show in Billings, and I feel very comfortable walking to my car, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't empathize with her because you can't share in that feeling. You can understand it, absolutely. I can but sympathize, you, you cannot for sure. empathize. Yeah, you can sympathize, but you cannot empathize. Well, isn't that, like the, like, the greater calling, then, is to, like, move beyond sympathy to empathy? Yeah. So like, what's because that does take more work. Like that takes conscious effort. Mm-hmm. Emily, do you submit to your baby? Yes. What does that mean to you? So like right now wow. at this very moment, like I hear my baby crying. Right. I hear her also. <laughs> this is what made me think of it. <laughs> and, you know, there are, there are needs and things that my baby needs in order to like thrive in life and i just have to submit to the fact that like i am voluntarily giving of myself to ensure that 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 happens Mm. like it is not a chore it may feel like a chore sometimes like (laughs) it's setting aside like when i think of when i think of submission i think of the sense of like i am setting aside myself for something greater and I think in this sense of like how we read it in scripture, like I am setting apart my needs in this moment to ensure that others needs are met for the greater good. Like I'm taken care of, like I'm, I am okay. Here is how like I can ensure that you are okay. Like I want to make sure that our reciprocal buckets are being filled. Like my bucket's filled. Let me fill your bucket. Mm. I think part of that is, again, like how I was raised, like seeing my dad in a role that was not typically a role you would see a man in. And I think growing up with friends and like seeing Alex fulfill roles in ways that like would have never thought of in like today's standards, I think when we submit, we are setting aside for the greater good. Mm. Yeah, I think of that image of a cup overflowing and it takes it takes being filled yourself to become an overflowing cup, right? To share that right attitude. Exactly. Right? And in a very practical sense that's very much like what I think Jesus is asking us to do, like putting out putting our needs beneath or below like someone else's needs, right? Like mm-hmm. accepting the the inconvenience in order to serve another person, right? Like I think of yeah. the the, uh, the Samaritan picking up the beaten guy on the road, right? Like that was an inconvenience, certainly. That was money he wasn't intending on spending at the inn. That was a lot of time he probably lost in his own travels, you know, also making himself vulnerable by carrying a man that was already taken advantage of. But yeah, it was just out of like an attitude or a heart that said like, yeah, I guess that stepped in with an empathetic posture that said, like, yeah, I would want someone to take care of me if I was beaten on the side of the road by thieves. So I certainly yeah. should do the same, you know? I think it's when we read it in the light and in the context of setting yourself above everyone else, mm. that type of submission, then absolutely I can see where people who read that they think, I am told to be beneath this person. Like I am told to submit to my husband. When I read it in the sense of like I'm taken care of, I want to ensure that my husband is taken care of. Like mm. my bucket's overflowing. Let me make sure that his is overflowing now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the turn of love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. We forget that part. It's like we, I think we like leaving it at love your neighbor. But it's love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about it in the context of church. And I kind of wonder if there's something about the proximity of, of course, a marriage relationship where the, the cheerful, good version of empathetic submission happens because you genu- genuinely want to 
see the other flourish. And part of that could be like a subconscious self-serving drive of like, if my partner flourishes, I flourish too. You know, we all have that sense. Mm-hmm. I wonder if what I am having a problem with in the church context is, especially the my last church is very much that centralized like mega church model, right? And when you when I'm being told like the authority to preach and teach and interpret the scriptures are coming from the guy that I've met twice at big events who lives on the other side of the state, you know, and like there, we lose that proximity of joyfully empathetically submitting to a pastor who has that experience because that pastor is embedded in your community and that you can like mm-hmm. go have dinner with him and he would cheerfully do that and not have to set mm-hmm. up a big like staff event or whatever. And part of that is like, yeah, it is a workplace. And of course that dynamic is going to happen, but Man, it gets so sticky with churches. I feel like it, it. I think you just need to be a Methodist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I feel like I have a lot to think about now. Do you? Do either of you have closing thoughts? Mm, no, actually, I thought I would, but I I'm in a good place y- right now. You and I have been riffing quite a bit. Josh, do you have anything? That you're left uh, thinking about. No, not really. Although I do think that if anyone is going to believe in any form of submission, uh, they should absolutely submit themselves to supporting us on Patreon if they think that this oh, podcast should continue. Smooth. So <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Smooth. I'm just kidding. Uh, no pressure at all. But uh, if, if you do listen to us, uh, it means the world to us when you leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. Actually, I think iTunes is still the only one that uses ratings. It's the one that mostly matters. Yeah. It is the one that mostly matters. That is true. They all matter, but that one mostly matters. But no, I don't think I have any other thoughts. I really enjoyed this, uh, this like modern version word study. Yeah. I think it's important. Mm. Emily, do you have a, uh, a benediction to, uh, put us into submission out of here? I, oh, wow. Okay. Submission in ancient times, submission in modern times, how we understand the word and other words for that matter, struck on our hearts. And I think this is something that we will continue to ravel out for as long as we can. And I'm so glad that we can do it together in fellowship. Welcome to The Whiskey Bench, where every week we discuss our modern world over a fresh cocktail. We start with three ounces of a favorite philosopher. Take your pick of Hobbes, Locke, or Rousseau. Next, we pour in a shot of modern discourse like Second Amendment policy or renewable energy. Sweeten with a dash of lighthearted conversation about salsa cereal or the private space industry. Shake with ice and strain with ideas about modern art or raw milk regulation. Garnish with intellectual humility and moderate optimism. Cheers. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.